latest edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga. It's Wednesday, January 15th, and we're joined once again by our Tribe beat writer, Paul Hoynes. Paul, good to talk to you. Lots to talk about. Uh, lots of lots of crazy stuff going on this week, uh, and you know, not necessarily concerning the Indians, but kind of with uh, with the the cheating scandal and the Houston Astros and Boston Red Sox and managers AJ Hinch, Joey Cora losing their jobs uh, in in the last couple of days here. Uh, just what was your reaction on Monday when when you heard the news that? Rob Manfred came out and had suspended Hinch and uh, Jeff Lunau from uh, from Houston. Yeah, Joe, Joe. You know, I we were talking. You called me. You texted me so, and told me it was coming down the pipe. And uh, man, I I was, uh, you know, I knew he had to take a strong stance, and uh, Manfred that is, and I think he did that. You know, one year suspensions for uh, Lunau and and uh, AJ Hinch. Uh, the takes take away the first and second round draft picks in 2020, 2021, uh, fines, uh, fines the organization $5 million. And then, uh, Jim Crane, the Astros age, uh, owner kind, kind of comes back out and doubles down on it by firing Luno and, and Hinch. And I, I, I don't think he had much of a choice there. You know, I think he, he wanted to get this behind him. And uh, if those guys came back after a year, you know, that it's always going to be a cloud over the organization. So, and then, uh, you know, the other domino falls when uh, Boston takes a preemptive strike and fires Alex Cora, you know, so, uh, you know, it, and we haven't heard the last of that, you know, that I'm, they're right, still there's... investigating. And uh, I would imagine the Red Sox, uh, you know, are going to be under the gun, uh, Probably before before spring training, those those findings have come out, right? And uh, with, with the the Red Sox investigation, that's related to, but not the same as uh, Red Sox are under investigation for uh, inappropriately using their their video room to to steal signs that that way. Uh, once Cora joined the organization in 2018, uh, this was this is all this all goes back to what 2017. Uh, when um, the the Red Sox organization at the time was uh, put on notice about using an Apple Watch to to tip pitches in in one way or another, and that's when Manfred came out and said there will be no use of technology and we won't permit this you know, using technology to steal signs. You know, uh, it, Paul, you know, uh, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. And in baseball has always been sort of the uh, the the tongue in cheek sort of way to to put it. But, you know, that refers to uh, picking up, uh, you know, tells or, you know, the way a pitcher holds his glove or if your catcher is weak and he's, he's showing everybody the, the, the signs that he's, he's putting down there. You know, that's gamesmanship and that's, that's different. That's been around baseball for, for uh, 100 years. You know, this is different when you're in your ballpark and you've got a camera trained on the catcher and there's a, a monitor near your dugout and you can decode signs and relay them to your batter, and he knows what's coming. That's that's not that's not baseball. Yeah, that's uh, and I think you know the the amazing thing to me about this, Joe, is if you read Manfred's uh, statement, you know his his uh, his take on this the investigation. I mean, he he Lunau, Jeff Lunau, he said if Lunau had had addressed the team, you know, after the 2017 thing with the 
with the uh, Yankees and Red Sox with the smartphones or the Apple watches mm-hmm. and, uh, and, you know, had told them that from now on, you know, you guys can't do this. And, you know, everything is going to come back on the GM and, and the manager, not the players. I think he said the whole thing could have, the whole thing would have stopped. And Luna just ignored that. And then another, you know, the other, you know, edict that came out of Major League Baseball in, in 2018 after, you know, the accusations of the sign stealing with the Indians and the Astros and, and Boston in the postseason, when they put regulations in, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> they, they didn't read, the, you know, he didn't come down and tell the manager or, or the, the, the players that, about that either. And, you know, all you had to do was just follow the rules. And those things would have been, uh, I mean, he said the, the sign stealing wouldn't even happen. So right. uh, it's just amazing. I mean, if you read that report, I mean, any baseball fan that uh, is interested in this and wants to delve into it, they should read that. It's about nine pages, and it, 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 the details are amazing. Right. And, uh, you know, in reading that report, uh, a lot of things jump out at you, mainly um, – you know, Manfred's office really doesn't go hard after A.J. Hinch, mostly because A.J. Hinch was aware of this, and A.J. Hinch knew about all of it. He twice tried to disable that monitor that they were using next to the dugout. I'd imagine A.J. Hinch got so angry one or two times, he walked by and punched the monitor or something to that effect, said, you guys, you know, we shouldn't be doing this, and yet – as the manager, he never put his foot down and said, stop doing this. And exactly. I mean, that, that's what I thought, Joe. I mean, that's, that's the thing that came through loud and clear to me. I mean, you're essentially letting Alex Cora, your bench coach, run the team. Right. I, it seemed like to me, I mean, okay, Hinch is taking care of the, uh, you know, doing on the field, but you can't let your bench coach basically run the ball club and run a, a cheating scam. Well, and it's not just the bench coach, but it was the bench coach and the the most veteran player on the team in Carlos Beltran, who just now happens to be, uh, you know, the focus of everybody's attention as he's he's been hired as the, the New York Mets new manager. And are the Mets going to fire him before he even even manages a game? Yeah, that's that's a big question. Uh, you know, as, as you said, Manfred, in his, uh, you know, in his ruling, didn't didn't suspend one player, not, not didn't penalize one player. You know, Beltran was a player at that time, and I guess you know Beltran didn't help himself in his initial uh, press conferences after inter- it being introduced as the Mets manager. He kind of denied any any taking any part in this thing with the Astros. So I think that's going to come back and 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 get him. But you wonder what what action the Mets are going to take. I mean, the precedent has been set. And uh, I don't know. I guess you could get around it. Maybe you have a press conference with Beltran. He comes clean and, you know, mea copa, mea copa, mea maxima copa, and uh, they go on from there. But it's going to be a tough one. But the fear there is if he comes completely clean, that that's going to be admitting to stuff that, you know, really would prevent him from being able to be a manager, I, I would assume. Yeah, and he was the only player named in that. In that right, in Cora, Cora and Beltran were really the only two that were singled out and sort of in the, in the, in the Astros aspect of the report were the only ones singled out. So 
I, I really think it's, it's Manfred's effort to sort of tell the Red Sox and the Mets, hey, you know, this is as much as I can do at this point with these suspensions. And we still don't know what Cora's suspension is going to be. I would imagine it's got to be more than the, the, the one season. It's got to be at least a two-year suspension for Cora. Um, yeah, I, you it, know, it, that's, he, that's a great point, Joan. I mean, he, he could be put on a permanently ineligible list. Right. Yeah. And uh, also coming out of Houston in that investigation, uh, Manfred really sort of uh, lit up the, uh, the baseball ops side of things for Houston, uh, talked about their culture and, and that sort of stuff. Uh, also uh, included a uh, putting Brandon Tubman, the assistant GM, who was fired, uh, putting him on the inact or the uh, the suspended list for baseball um, for a year or, or indefinitely, yeah, I, I believe. Yeah. Um, and that's the guy who uh, you know basically screamed at a, a group of female reporters in the in the Houston clubhouse after they won the ALCS, uh, and it was related to the Roberto Asuna um, uh, hiring, or, you know, with the the, the domestic violence accusation yeah. and, and all that. Uh, uh, just another all-around black eye for the the Astros organization, uh, and and that sort of leads into the whole, you know, how this affects the the Indians, and uh, you know, from our perspective in particular here in Cleveland, you know, it, it, we got a, a sense of it after the the Astros swept the Indians in the 2018 divisional round, when Mike Clevenger and Jason Kipnis and a couple other guys. Uh, you know, mentioned certain advantages that Houston was that had over uh, the Indians and, and, and whatnot. And, you know, Clevenger took some heat for his comments. Uh, yeah. I, uh, Robert I, Flores. I, I, wrote, I ripped him for it. You wrote a column that, yeah, basically, uh, you know, said you can't do that. But, but you know, it's, it's funny that now, you know, uh, Robert Flores, uh, an MLB network uh, um, personality, who's a Houston guy, he's a Houston fan, and basically came out and was ripping into Clevenger and the two of them went back and forth in an ugly little Twitter thing. Uh, you know, it, now it's you're sitting there going, boy, these guys were right. They, they knew all along. And, and just, you know, whatever kind of stupid code there is in the, uh, in the clubhouse where you don't say anything, uh, you know, that, that, that's sort of what this was. And now looking at it in retrospect, it's it's pretty amazing to look at this. Yeah, I mean, Joe, I think, you know, by according to Manfred's report, the Astros had stopped cheating sometime during the 2018 season and weren't cheating, were not cheating in 2000 in the postseason. But it just shows you everybody in baseball knew that was going on. And the Indians were so paranoid that they didn't, the Astros didn't have to cheat to get a mental edge on them. I think they were so deep into their into the Indian psyche that they were psyched out, especially with the first two games at Minute Maid Park. I, you know, just like you said, just from talking to Clevenger and, and Kipnis, I didn't know what they were talking about. You mm-hmm. know, it sounded like, uh, you know, they were kind of zoned out. Or, well, they're speaking in codes and, and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And uh, so, you know, now we know, and, you know, I just think, you know, they were changing their signs so much that they were, you know, and I, you know, I'd, I'd like to talk to Perez about it, how he handled it, because, you know, just uh, how many signs they had to change. or But it, it just seemed like they were so preoccupied by 
not having uh, um, the Astros steal their signs and get an advantage, you know, an electronic advantage over them, especially with the series opening in, in Minute Maid Park that, you know, the, that, that, that contributed to them getting sweep. Now, I'm not getting swept, but I'm not saying Houston wasn't a better team. They were far better that, you know, in 2018, and they played better in the whole series. But, um, you know, I think that had an advantage. That played a part in it. Right. And, uh, you know, one particular ex-Indian is now basically sitting back uh, in, on his couch uh, on Twitter and trolling the, the Astros pretty hard, and that's Trevor Bauer. Uh, Trevor Bauer and the Houston Astros goes back uh, to, to at least May of 2018 when he started insinuating on Twitter about uh, spin rates and uh, stick, sticky substances, and that was a whole big long debate back and forth between uh, Bauer and uh, and this actually brought in Tito, where uh, you know Francona had to had to apologize to AJ Hinch for for the way that that Bauer was behaving uh, online, you know, basically poking at all of his players. Uh, but it turns out that you know, it, it, not necessarily with this this whole sticky substances and spin rates and whatnot thing. But definitely with other aspects of it, it's it, you, you think that, that Bauer knew all along that something was fishy and something was not right and that, that these guys weren't playing by the rules or hadn't been playing by the rules. Uh, now he's just basically sitting back there trolling the, the Astros from afar and, and having the, the time of his life. Yeah, I know. I, I, do you think, like, I, I'm trying to think, did, did Bauer ever accuse them of stealing signs? No, it, it really it really was focused more on, uh, you know, the the pitching aspect of it, and that that's the stuff that yeah. Bauer is is particularly passionate about. And uh, you know, he went so far as to basically lay out their formula for what exactly what they they used. It was a combination of yeah, I saw you that. know rosin and Coca Cola and and you know a couple other substances that they cooked up in a metal Coke can. It's not like, like they like were cooking free, crack or free something. Free baits and drugs and stuff like that. Yeah, it's really ridiculous. But really what what that goes back to is the whole Trevor Bauer versus Garrett Cole, and that dates to when they were in college at UCLA. And then when Cole joined the Astros in the offseason between 2017 and 18, and then the 2018 season, he becomes this this dominant strikeout machine because the the spin rate on his, his pitches, you know, skyrockets and, right. and and Bauer and now that you can see all of this uh on Statcast and and the data is all there and there's empirical evidence that when he was in Pittsburgh his spin rate was this and then he joined Houston and it shot up to this uh you know there, it, it lends a lot of credence to some of the things that Bauer said and you know you may not agree with the way that Bauer says it or goes about you know delivering the information but in, it, it definitely raises eyebrows. Yeah, Bauer has to be in seventh heaven right now. It's it, it's just <laughs> and it's fun to watch on on Twitter. I guess I, you know I I wonder, Paul. You've been around the game and you've been around clubhouses and, and these guys for for so many years. Have you ever seen anything like this sort of cheating scandal? And 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 you know these guys walk around like AJ Hinch, puffing out their chests, saying, "Oh, it's a joke." If we had known that whistling from the dugout was going to set the Yankees off so bad, we would have practiced it in spring training. And, you know, all, there's all this video of these denials, 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 up until this point that they're 
that the report comes out. Have you ever in, in 30 plus years of seeing this, uh, you know, being around it, seen anything like this? You know, Joe, the only thing I can correlate it to is the steroid era, you know, with uh, steroids and, uh, you know, the way that guys cheated and came to camp 30 pounds heavier, you know, from one off season, from one, from one season to the next. And, uh, you know, the power increased and, you know, nobody was cheating. It was just uh, good nutrition and, and, you know, just they, they had trained their, changed their training uh, routines and, uh, you know, kind of baseball and turned a blind eye to it. And uh, a lot of people in the media did as well. It was, uh, you know, it was baseball's dirty little secret, and uh, it came out eventually, and this came out eventually. So that's the only thing I can really correlate it to. Well, you know, uh, in the case of Beltran, at least, does that if you're going to correlate it to the steroid era, you know, the, the, the Hall of Fame uh, voting and the announcements are, are going to be coming out next week. Um, Beltran won't be eligible for another couple of years, I think 2022 or 23. But uh, – you know, how will the Hall of Fame look at this whole situation and any player really that's tainted by this? I mean, if Alex Bregman or Jose Altuve goes on to some, you know, massive, you know, career and, 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 and eventually garners consideration for the Hall of Fame, does, is he tainted by this? Because you're looking at an entire season of, of these guys that's basically cast under a shadow of doubt. You know, that's a good question, Joe. I never really thought of it that way. I, I mean, because steroids, you could see the impact on an individual player, you know, Barry Bonds or, mm-hmm. or Roger Clemens, both accused of using steroids. Manny Ramirez, you know, tested positive two or three times. You could see the results. You know, uh, cheating, is, it seems like it's more of an organizational crime or an organizational sin than the individual player. Now, I mean, if, if, like, say, Altuve, you know, hits 220 this season or, or hits 220 for the rest of his career, right. we'll know something was up, you know. If, right. if, if his decline starts, you know, halfway through the 2018 season and, uh, you know, he, he doesn't ever get back to that level, you know, I think we'll be able to uh, tell something. But uh, I think uh, the, the Hall of Fame voters probably aren't going to – I would think that, that – Steroids to me is is an individual's, you know, action, an individual decision. Now, obviously, cheating would be too, but you know, I don't know. That's a gray area for me. I I, I would I, I feel much more stronger, much stronger about you know not voting for steroid users than guys that got an edge from a, an electronic edge. Well, and it, you're talking about like the, the video evidence that we've seen on uh, on Twitter that's been shared or whatnot. It's uh, guys like Evan Gaddis, who was a catcher for the uh, the or a, a DH and catcher for uh, the Astros during that that 2017 season, and, and he's hitting home runs there. Uh, you, you don't know for sure how many of you know Bregman's home runs that year were were tainted right. by you know him knowing what was coming, uh, obviously. So it's impossible to, to sort of break that down and, and take it away in terms of, like you said, the, the individual thing, but as far as an institutional uh, sort of reaction, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that, that, uh, you know, maybe the hall of fame voters look past that uh, in, in some sort of, you know, far off time or whatever. But I think if there's like a huge, if there's an obvious drop in performance, 
I think you got to take that into consideration. Well, and and let's talk about obvious drop in performance or the, this this death penalty that's been handed down to the Astros. Now this takes a team that's you know uh, it's a pretty strong team. It's you've still got Justin Verlander, you've still got uh, you know Bregman, Altuve, Correa, uh, but now you you don't know who your manager is going to be you know moving forward. Uh, that that's still still to come. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if you give Hinch all the credit for them winning and, and being as strong as they are the last couple of years, but he deserves, you know, something. Yeah. Uh, and, and now you've taken him away. Plus, you have devastated that franchise in terms of this is the, the model franchise that showed everybody how to tank and come back and build yourself back up, back up and, and become a champion. Uh, champion. Uh, but now they, they're going to lose their number one and number two draft picks for the next two seasons. You know, the $5 million – the World Series championship itself was worth more than $60 million to that franchise. So the $5 million fine is kind of nothing. That's the maximum allowed by, uh, by Major League Baseball. It's the most you can find an organization is the $5 million. And that's really what you were going to pay um, Hinch and Lunau in salary next year. So that's kind of that's kind of a wash. You were already going to spend that money, uh, but the draft picks that really sort of cuts the franchise off at the knees. Yeah, I I I, I agree totally, Joe. I mean, this is a team that built itself on the draft. All those guys, you know, like Correa and, and Altuve, and all those guys are. I think Altuve. You know, maybe no, not Altuve. Altuve showed up at a, at an open tryout, yeah. and they told him to go away, and he came yeah. back. So. But like Correa and those guys, they were all number one picks, you know. And uh, you know, this is a team that has built itself through the draft, uh, you know, uh, Bregman and those guys. And to lose your first two number one picks in 2020, 2021, and then your number two picks in the same two years, you know, that that's tough to recover from. Even if you're winning and you're picking, you know, low in the first and second round, it doesn't matter. I mean, they they they've done a great job with the draft, and uh, that's got to hurt you. Right, your your talent in your in your in your farm system is is going to decline, you know, and you know the way to the way that they can get that back would be to trade some of those pieces like a Correa or a or a Bregman or, or someone. And Correa has definitely been been talked about in in trades, but you know that's that's not a way to as the Indians you know are um, aware. It's not a way to sustain um, you know long term you know, consistent winning championship level, that kind of thing. If you're, if you're trading away your best players at all, all the time. So, uh, yeah, this, this whole situation sort of, uh, uh, it's been weird to sort of monitor it. And the last, last question I want to, you know, throw out before we move off of this topic. Um, uh, how did I, I saw how uh, Chris Russo on MLB network reacted from the Yankees perspective. Uh, how do you how do you think the Dodgers are handling this? Oh, how do you think God. Dodger fans are handling this whole situation, knowing that in back to back seasons you lost to teams that were, you know, cheating, skirting the rules, and 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 that Major League Baseball pretty much sort of knew about it when they were doing it. Yeah, that's that's got to that's got to burn the Dodgers, man. What if they won seven straight uh, division titles? They haven't mm-hmm. won, but they haven't won a World Series since 1988. So. And they were right there the last two, you know, two of the last three years. You've gone uh, to game seven twice against teams that were cheating. It's got to drive them crazy. And, and I mean, if you're a Dodger fan, you got to be 
you know, you've got to be griping and moaning and groaning. But, uh, hey, you get if you keep getting there, eventually you're going to win it. But, you know, I mean, you got to feel bad. I mean, you've got to feel like, you know, you got the raw end of the deal. Tell that to the the Buffalo Bills if you keep getting there eventually. Come on, man. Uh, No, it's it's a guy like Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw wins one of those uh, championships with the Dodgers. He is an automatic first ballot Hall of Famer. Yes or no? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So a guy like Clayton Kershaw is is directly aggrieved by this. I mean, if he doesn't make the Hall of Fame someday, and I don't think that's the case, I think Clayton Kershaw is is a Hall of Famer one way or another. You're talking about somebody cheating and taking away your ticket to the Hall of Fame. That yeah, I mean, that's inconceivable to me. Yeah, and I mean, and his postseason record is not good. I mean, right. Well, it's how much of his postseason record not being good can you chalk up to the other team yeah. knowing what he's throwing? Right, right. I mean, that's uh, uh, <laughs> no. I I can see where you know I get, and this is why I think Manfred had to do something. He had to come down hard, and he had to come down emphatically. I think he did. You know, I think cheating is always going to be a slippery slope in baseball because it's been part of the game, like you said, for 100 years. But it's how you cheat. You know, you're splitting airs, you know. Mm-hmm. If you cheat with the naked eye, if you, you pick up some signs with your from the dugout with your naked eye, okay, that's okay. But if you're using electronics, you know, like, like Francona always says, there's unintended consequences right. when you change the rules of the baseball. And this is one of them. Oh, well. We we are we all know uh, you know Tito's thoughts on changing the rules of baseball and unintended consequences now with with the uh, the three pitcher or the three batter rule coming yeah. up for for pitchers next year. Uh, that, that's going to be great to to sort of watch how how that develops. Uh, just one last thing, uh, you know, I want to leave. Is, is there a solution that could be maybe legislated this way, uh, like you talked about? Uh, you know, cheating with your naked eye. Maybe make that not cheating. Maybe put that in the rules, something along the effects of, you know, if a player is able to visually decode uh, a sign and relay it to his, his, his teammate, then, you know, that's, that's not to be penalized. If you put that in the, the rules, then that's not cheating, but using electronics is. You know, Man- Manfred did that basically by by sending the memo yeah. around everybody saying don't use electronic means to 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 steal signs and putting you know putting monitors. I mean, right. guys in every uh, every MLB replay room right. to, to monitor the situation. But go the other direction and say, okay, if you can, you know, without with organic means, if you can steal a sign, that's legal. But yeah, I think it's rule. understood. I don't know if it has to be in a well, rule. But, but if it's understood, then, you know, why not put it in the rules and, and make it obvious? And that way, there's no – nobody has the ability to, to defend any sort of cheating by any other means. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I understand that. I mean, I that, that's a good point. But then what do you do with cork bats and, and uh, you know, and, and the spitballs and, and you know, guys that, uh, you know, like uh, cut the ball, you know? You, you mean those, those, those long-held traditional sort of, you know, aha, those are, 
do you don't you remember the Albert Bell's corked bed? Oh, it was, it was these these the the tradition and the 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 sort of the the lore and and all that. It's it's still there. George Brett's pine tar bat, you know that kind of stuff. It's <laughs> it's all still part of the game, and that's sort of acceptable. But this just this just makes everybody unfeel that you feel bad. It's it's just bad for baseball. That's that's what this whole thing is. Yeah. And especially, and you know, it's Boston and and uh, and Houston weren't the only teams doing it. So right, right. But this is a clear message, you know, to to every all thirty teams that you uh, cheat at your own risk now, and and the risk is going to be a heavy one. All right. Uh, moving on, let's uh, get away from the cheating uh, subject and focus on spring training. Uh, about a month, a little little more than a uh, actually, what's today? It first, uh, the first workout's a month away, one month uh, before the, the first full squad workout. Uh, spring training invitees, who might the, the Indians be looking at to uh, have in camp with the major leaguers in addition to the 40-man roster? Yeah, Joe, it's, it's uh, you know, I wrote something yesterday about it. It's kind of an interesting take. Now, you know, I, from what I've heard, you know, as, as you know, like, you know, every spring or during the winter, during every winter, you know, they, the Indians will bring in 15 to 20 non-roster players. Some of them are from the organization, but a lot of them are from outside. You know, my, uh, guys that come in on minor league deals, on minor league contracts, make good contracts, and they really haven't done that a whole lot this, this winter. And I think, you know, I, I was talking to some people, and they told me they're going to fill those roles mostly by internal candidates, guys from the minors. And that's kind of an interesting thing. You know, you got your 40-man 40, 40 roster, but then you also, you know, you're going to need 60 to 65 players to get through camp, you know, 30-plus exhibition games, six weeks of six to seven weeks in Arizona. So I guess the majority of those guys are going to come from the system, which is kind of exciting, I think. Yeah, it'll be a, a chance to see some of these young guys uh, get out there uh, and, and, you know, maybe get into the, the later innings in a, a couple of exhibition games and, and see what they can do. I know uh, I think uh, Brian Rocchio was a shortstop that, that came and played in the game last year, and, you know, that was fun to see. Uh, it, it, it happened uh, years back with, uh, with Lindor, I believe, didn't they, didn't they bring yeah, him Lindor, up? Yeah, you know, they, br- they would bring guys like Zimmer and Lindor and – you know, uh, uh, Jose Ramirez over from the minor leagues to, you know, play a couple of like first, <clears throat> like the late innings, you know, come in and play in the late innings of the, the early exhibition games. That was kind of fun to watch. So, uh, but this seems like a, a little different approach, you know, you know, guys like, uh, Cam Hill and, and, uh, um, you know, uh, Kyle Nelson and Nick Sandlin, I think, you know, Guys, you know, some pitchers that, that we haven't seen a whole lot of, I think they're going to be coming to camp, you know, and, and competing. And now how, how much they play, I don't think they'll be competing for jobs on the big league club, but they'll definitely, you know, be able to perform in front of the uh, coaching staff and show them what they can do and get to face some, uh, you know, get to play in some exhibition games and, uh, you know, kind of set the tone from their, for their careers. All right. Uh, another big news uh, on on Tuesday night the the announcement that the Minnesota Twins have signed uh, Josh Donaldson, uh, one time Indian uh, bat, 
to a four-year contract. Uh, totals $92 million. And Josh Dye is the biggest contract in Minnesota Twins history, actually. Um, and Josh Donaldson now adds uh, an even bigger bat to that already impressive lineup. Uh, you, you're talking about the the Twins now stating their case for being the favorites to win and, and repeat in the AL Central. No, no doubt about it. And, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, you could tell uh, – it, it, it's uh, – um, I'm trying to think of the uh, the Twins guy that's running the show up there that came. Derek the, Falvey. Uh, Falvey. Yeah, yes. And uh, you know, it sounds just like uh, it's 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 a page straight out of uh, Chris Chris uh, Antonetti's playbook. When you can't get the the thing you really need, and they needed at the end of last season, they needed impact arms. Mm-hmm. They they said that's what they were looking for. They were looking for starters because they were going to lose a bunch of their you know, I think three-fifths or four-fifths of the rotation, the free agency. So uh, they couldn't get Zach Wheeler and, and uh, Madison Bumgarner, or uh, guys like that. But So they turn in a different direction, and they get, you know, they go get uh, Donaldson. So you either score – you, you either want to prevent runs from scoring or score more runs, and Donaldson will definitely help them score more runs. That's the, the, where does he fit in that lineup? I mean, obviously you're going to have to move Miguel Sano off of third base. So he's going to have to go across the diamond and learn how to play first base. Um, but the, you've got Donaldson, Cruz, Sano. Uh, you, you still got, you know, you got to find a place to, to put all these, these bats in and, and mix it up. And what's, uh, you know, what are they going to look like from there? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think they're, you know, you got Rosario, you got Polanco, mm-hmm. uh, you've got Carver, uh, the the catcher. Uh, <clears throat> if Buxton comes back, the center fielder, you know, right. if he's healthy, that's good. I mean, they hit 307 home runs last year. You know, you, you thought they may have taken a hit, you know, when they lost Shoup and uh, C.J. Crone. Uh, but, uh, you know, Donaldson more than makes up for that, so. That's still a very, very dangerous team. And their pitching, you know, might not be so bad, you know, with Odorizzi going back, uh, Panada re-signing, but he's got to serve that PED suspension. Right. You know, they add uh, they add uh, Homer Bailey. They got some young younger arms. So Eventually Rich Hill. Yeah, Rich Hill. So, uh, you know, they're going to – they should have enough starting pitching with that offense to uh, – to, to be the, you know, be the favorite going into the season to, to uh, repeat. All right. And here we were, we were sitting back looking over at Chicago and, and thinking, wow, they, they really added to their lineup and, and they've got some impact bats, but uh, the, uh, the, the Indians pitching rotation will now be challenged considerably by, by these teams. Uh, these, you know, they have to face Chicago and uh, Minnesota 19 times this year. Um how do you think the Indians' pitching rotation holds up against, you know, these lineups, these these stacked lineups in Chicago and Minnesota? Well, I still think the Indians have the best rotation in, in, in the division. <clears throat> They've got a lot of depth. You know, we haven't seen a lot of Logan Allen and, and Scott Scott Moss. Scott Is it Scott? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Scott Moss. Now, we haven't seen a lot of him. But, uh, you know, with when you can start with Bieber and Clevenger and Carrasco and and uh, you know you have Plutko and 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 Savali and and Plesac and uh, Rodriguez. You know that that's you've you've not only got some you know 
you're going to get five good starters out of there, but you got some depth too. Uh, and uh, how the, you know they they did have a winning record against the Twins last year. Uh, you know uh, the they they had a losing record against the White Sox. So right. I think they'll, pitching wise they'll be you know rotation wise they'll be able to stack up. I'm interested about the the bullpen, Joe. I'm wondering how that is going to shake out and have some questions about the bullpen. Right, and they've they've made uh, you know at least one addition in Emmanuel Classe uh, uh, to the to the bullpen to at least increase the the power profile there. But uh, you're right; it, it it just seems like every year we we go into spring training with the the bullpen being a big question mark, and 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 things just sort of you know work out one way or another. Yeah, and you know they've lost guys like uh, you know Salazar, who was wasn't really a factor, but you know Tyler Clipper, Dan Otero. Uh, Nick Goody, uh, Cody Anderson, Tyler Olson. You know, they've, they've lost some, uh, you know, kind yeah, of a, a chunk of that pen. There's been a lot of turnover. And the, you've, you've got, you know, names on there like Hunter Wood or, or you know, other guys who, who were pickups during the season last year who are, are going to be expected to sort of fill out roles now. And that, that's interesting for sure. All right. Uh, you know, moving forward, we are looking at next week. The, uh, the Greater Cleveland Sports Awards are coming up next Wednesday night uh, in downtown Cleveland. The, the Dolan family has been announced as the Lifetime Achievement Award recipient at the uh, awards uh, ceremony there. Um, you know, every year it's, it's fun to, to see, you know, uh, Roberto Perez among one of the, uh, the Indians players nominated uh, for, for Athlete of the Year um, or Pro Athlete of the Year. So it's, it's fun to – get out and, and mingle with some of these folks at the, at the reception. Uh, what's your take on the Dolans being nominated for the Lifetime Achievement Award? Well, I think it's well-deserved. I know, you know, they have more than their fair share of critics in the city and, you know, the surrounding areas. But, <clears throat> you know, the, the family has owned the team longer than any, you know, ownership group in franchise history. You know, the Indians have been around for not, since 1901. So I think that shows your, their commitment to the city. Uh, I think they've done a great job um, managing, you know, managing the team, managing the payroll, you know, to, to the degree they can. I, I, you know, seven straight winning seasons uh, on this particular run, four trips to the postseason. You know, I think, I think they've done, they've done a great, good job of, you know, running the ball club, making sure it's financially sound, and keeping it in Cleveland. Yeah, you know, I, I just think that's the big thing is, uh, you know, their commitment to the city and and keeping the team here and, uh, you know, improving the ballpark and, and doing all the things organizationally to set things up to, to sustain, you know, the sort of winning path for as long as they can. Uh, you, you might not like it because, you know, they talk about not being able to afford to keep guys like Francisco Lindor, but – that's just a, an economic reality of the, of, of being in Cleveland. It's, it, we're not New York. We're not Chicago. We don't have the, the means necessary. Uh, and they don't have, you know, money like, uh, you know, Dan Gilbert might have money or, or Arthur Blank down in Atlanta. You know, he can write a check because he sold Home Depot. That's not the case here. So, uh, you know, Joe, I like it. I like them because, They've hired. They've had a track record of hiring good front office people. Exactly. And then they get out of their way and let them run the ball club. Right. Yeah, and that's why I was saying, like the the organizationally, that they're just they've been solid. 
you look at the three major franchises in the in the city, and they're definitely the one that's that's the best run as as far as I'm concerned. Uh, yeah, all I mean, right, you look at it right now. The Browns are in another teardown. <laughs> the Cavs are interesting. You know, they're rebuilding. They have some young talent, but they're rebuilding, and mm-hmm. the Indians keep uh, really chugging along and keep winning. All right. All right. Well, Tribe Fest is coming up uh, the first of February. Uh, we got the announcement last week that 32 of the 40 players on the uh, on the roster will be there. Paul, I'm less interested in you know what your what your take is on the players who will be there. More interested in whether or not you will be participating in the goat yoga, which, <laughs> uh, which will be offered there. Uh, you know, will you be laying on your stomach, letting tiny baby goats walk on your back? <laughs> I do not know what Goat Yoda okay is. Goat Yoda, yes. Goat Yoda from Star Wars. That's what it is, Paul. No. Goat Yoga. Come on. We put, we put Paul I think Hoynes. I might avoid that, Joe. Come on. We put Paul Hoynes in yoga pants. And we get him on a mat on the floor up on stage. And then we let the tiny goats basically walk all over you. It's 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 it, Writes itself basically. Yeah, yeah. The story Perfect. of the year. You know, forget about jumping in the lake. This is the story that you were born to be. This is Paul and the goats. Somebody no? might bring a, a steamroller up there instead of a goat, though. There you go. <laughs> All of Paul's critics will now have the chance to walk on Paul on stage. No, just the goats. Just the goats. All right. All right. I mean, nah, we, we look forward to, to Tribe Fest, you know, because it, especially since it's moved to the the convention center as the the site the last couple of years it's the perfect venue for it the the fans have been great the last couple of years uh we don't get the access that we might necessarily uh like with the with the players but that's because the players are there for the fans during that time and and that's sort of the way it's supposed to be yeah it's a good event joe it's it's fun it's and it's a sign that spring training is just around the corner there you go well all right we signed paul up for goat yoga and we're all set uh, we will look forward to hearing back from uh, hearing from you again next week, Paul. And uh, you know, let's 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 see what unfolds here. Uh, uh, and with the this cheating scandal, and you know, as we get keep going forward, we'll keep our eyes on it on the next Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. All right, Joe. Thanks, man.